0: There will be no real, non-controlled currency in the world. We're coming for you, banks. Increasing the block size to 32 megabytes right now. What would be the top five arguments that would get um, hurled against me?
1: that's a good one there, there are a few
0: that the big blockers uh, uh, got, got right Ching! like all these coins splash into the wallets of all the winners i love that
1: there's a new threat out there it's crypto
0: hello and welcome back to the bitcoin cash podcast following bitcoin cash on its rise to global reserve currency, this is episode number 104, CTV SoftWalk and BTC Scaling featuring Moonsettler. Today is Saturday, the 13th of January, 2024. I'm your host, Jeremy. Jed is doing the producing. And today we're starting with a special free announcement announcement kind of thing, uh, which is... Uh, Jonathan Silverblood, Ryan Giffen, and I have teamed up to host a physical meetup in-person event called BCH Bliss for the 2024 Jessica upgrade. It's going to be in Slovenia, in Ljubljana. I'm still not able to say that quite properly. Ljubljana, Slovenia, on the 14th and 15th of may entry to the event requires one of 100 jessica nfts which will be on sale on TapSwap starting tomorrow sunday the 14th of january at midday utc there's more details on the website bliss.cash www.bliss.cash and we will be discussing this in greater detail on the next episode there's still a couple things that are getting uh arranged in terms of like the speakers and the link to um booking at the hotel and stuff like that so it's not all 100 you know just ready yet but i thought let's get it out while well, we had an episode of the show anyway so i'm really hoping to sell out these 100 tickets and have a pretty cool event for the upgrade there's got some uh, Pictures of the different Jessicas on the slides, and uh, yeah, I hope everyone is excited and thinks it's really cool. Again, we'll talk in more detail about it next week. Moonceller, do you have any thoughts on Bitcoin meetups? Have you have you done a bunch of them? Have you been to like Bitcoin Miami or any of those big uh, conferences?
1: I'm I'm trying to just not show my face in relation to Bitcoin. I'm it might be ridiculous to some people, but I think the future is going to be at one point pretty uh, nasty for yeah. people who 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 associate their face with Bitcoin holding and uh, and uh, I, I also see how you can easily like I don't know vandalize or or or, or abuse someone when when they do that and. I kind of try to keep my profile to be a collection of my ideas Ideas, and if someone wants to attack me then they have no choice but to engage with my ideas therefore yes they, they can just get personal you know because that's annoying and frustrating and this whole thing that we are doing is stressful enough
0: so there are many reasons <laughs> why i'm not going to any live events fair enough okay well there you have a wonderful advertisement (laughs) come to bch please it'll be amazing but i I totally understand that as well too for many years many many years i was the exact same and in hindsight i'm you know i'm kind of glad like they do that definitely has its pros and cons and obviously it's very in the ethos of cryptocurrency to be anonymous or pseudonymous and to you know speak on the strength of your ideas and without yeah being worried about uh personal attacks at any level right uh certainly being in crypto is you know a bit on the on the outside of the accepted system so you know, it's taking some risk uh whether or not you're you know however to whatever degree you're involved so yeah absolutely everybody i hope i hope everybody can come to this event and uh, that's why we're doing the nft sale the tap swap you don't even have to use your real name you know all of that but uh yeah, hopefully we will see uh, see a few people there. Right, so our guest today, Moonsettler, is a BTC developer, I guess, generally a Bitcoin developer, no reason. Couldn't do any dev on any other chain, if it felt like it. And an advocate for CTV. Welcome to the show, mate. how do you get into Bitcoin? Hello, guys.
1: Yeah, um, it, it was a uh, very, very unfortunate thing for me that uh, when I actually, you know, first met Bitcoin, then I had zero disposable income. I only had that. And like, I think for the first two years, I was like, have on trying to figure out how could I mine Bitcoin. profitably. But uh, it's a very unfortunate situation that I just couldn't. Like it was impossible. And uh, frankly, back then I, I did not uh, did not, uh, you know, count on Bitcoin being tens of thousands of dollars, because if I did, then it would not have been a question, right? So even if you are mining completely unprofitable at those (laughs) levels, I mean, you would have made off like a bandit, but there was no guarantee, right? So in the early days, uh, I think it was maybe late summer, 2011, uh, Satoshi already left. I read an article about that and uh, the speculation you know and then I looked up Bitcoin and, and that's how it that's how it was started for me. and I was and d- very much fascinated by it right the, the philosophy and everything but again I, I had no money to to put into it for a very long time. I had to get my life in order. yeah so that that was unfortunate for me yeah.
0: And then you've stayed involved pretty much since then or like many people who've I, been involved you know myself included for that long they you know they have a couple of years where they drop out of the scene and they come back or you've just been in the whole time
1: i was not in any social media it was like a, a policy for me to not even have a pseudo anonymous presence uh, even like for a lot of lot of time i i try to be like completely unknown. and um, you know on places like fortune that's that's the default it has like this strong unknown culture and and the name folks are actually you know are despised and ridiculed and and I, I i'm more more uh more comfortable with that thing you know and and uh, for me that uh, you have to to have a pseudo identity right even even that's uncomfortable really but i had to because you can't really have any any serious discussion on on places like this they, they have no memory uh, you 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 don't have uh, you don't have a filter for uh, who you want to engage with and 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 uh, who have valuable ideas and stuff like that. So it was completely dysfunctional, waste of time in a sense. But uh, that that's more
0: my speed in general. Yes, yeah, yeah, no, it makes sense. And I think it's funny that because like you had uh, many many years of you know staying off the radar, and I did as well too. And I think a lot of people who joined bitcoin today kind of struggle to understand like maybe they think back oh i heard about it it was involved with drugs and it's sort of like in hindsight they can think well it seemed sketchy but probably it was fine and now like it's all okay you know a lot more people know about it and the risk is just uh, spread out across everyone right but uh it's i think it's hard to get across to people that at that time like people like vitalik for instance who were like way out there, you know, making a huge racket about cryptocurrency, like everywhere they went. There's a reason that a lot of the a lot of the OGs were much much more on the down low at that time, right? And it's just uh, the changing environment uh, and the gradually growing acceptance. Suddenly, have all these people popping out of the woodwork. I I remember there was a classic uh, moment from. Cyprian or Vin Armani, where he said he was engaged in when BCH and xcc were splitting, right? They're having a civil war, and he said that he was caught off guard because he had been working in the community or whatever. And then Mark Demezel who's this other you know well-known uh, Bitcoin cashier, he just like popped out of nowhere. from From Vin Armani's point of view, it was like, who is this guy? He just came from nowhere. I don't think he's that legitimate. Blah blah blah, but the reality was that mark had just been like sleeper agent the whole time until his presence was needed and then he just sort of popped into existence on the on the main crypto timeline right and i feel like that's the same way i've operated and maybe you have two right so you never really know like that community of ogs there's a lot of them floating out around there that just only show up on yeah. the radar once they choose to right
1: yeah, I, I think probably the the vast majority of Bitcoiners are are completely off the radar, so to speak. I mean, maybe they are not unknown to the actual spooks, the, the agencies. I mean, it's pretty damn hard to to have such a tight upset that uh, some national security agency <clears throat> can't find you. And a uh, lot of us were, lot of us were kind of careless in the early days uh with our with our personal data I'm afraid that, that we left breadcrumbs and and uh, stuff all around and uh it's probably not impossible to find most of these people but they do not advertise uh, you know their holdings their
0: their thoughts their their um their plans yeah and that's a classic uh Well, I I would say in one sense, there's also a decaying value to information, right? So even if there was, like, for instance, tracking down Satoshi, like, now would be so difficult. Like, at the time, if you had been monitoring and stuff, you know, maybe he slips up, maybe he makes a mistake, maybe you get, I don't know, an IP log or something. But now, like, and especially the way we're sort of surveilled in today's day, 10 years ago, was very different. Uh, or at least it felt that way. I don't know if you agree, but yeah, it was the
1: wild west. I was completely amazed by how you can just just not give out any personal identifying information, just just find some random throwaway email address register anywhere and and uh, you know and uh, start uh, using bitcoin and, and and buy stuff with it or or buy it or whatever. Of course, the fiat has always had this problem that you had to send the money from somewhere they can they can actually you know connect that uh, to your my my first uh ever Bitcoin purchase was uh back then i I was still in this uh uber paranoid phase i i only bought from bitcoin atms i i ate that five percent markup and and i only bought from atms with cash and uh You know after a while it it got old you only could have a tiny amount and sadly even that went away sadly i think right now almost no atms can be uh, purchased from uh, without some form of uh, kec they at least require a phone number and and the phones are uh, especially here in europe uh, are very very cumbersome to get on on and yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So things changed, but I really liked that wild west, that, that non-regulated, unregulated, flying under the radar wild west thing, but it
0: certainly went away. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm hoping that we can do at least some something to, to bring it back in a world where we got crypto to majority adoption. Hopefully it would help to curb the sort of, you know, ever increasing expansion of state because all this surveillance it costs resources right it's not they can't just do an endless amount of it it's only the, the amount that they have to pay various you know civil servants and blah 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 like maintain all the infrastructure and all the connections behind the scenes and stuff like that so if the money was taken out of the hands of just infinite Fiat printing right that I I feel like that would create a trend in the opposite direction or at least I'm very hopeful.
1: Yeah, I I, I kind of think that they were very clever in how they attack this entire thing because forcing the, people have this natural tendency to use larger um, uh, institutions or exchanges because they feel safer. They, they feel safer the larger it is that they are dealing with, even though it it is of course. Uh, I think uh MT-Gox was the largest at its time when it went very up and and uh, FTX was close to being the largest maybe it was the second largest when it imploded so so it, it's not actually a real safety but they somehow fear this probably from the fiat weather. I don't know that the, the bigger is is more safe than than the sketchy little uh, <laughs> things even though <laughs> even though you know <sighs> It might actually be true, but people feel this way. And it's very easy to find these guys. Like The bigger you are, the harder it is for you to resist this uh, thing. And for a long time, for example, BitMEX was successfully playing the regulatory uh, arbitrage. And and they were dodging this thing. And and they they, they got even them. And that was the signal for me that, damn, they got BitMEX. This is not going to end well. And then it, one after the other, all of these exchanges, all of these platforms just bend the knee to the US regulators and, and they start this. And then if you combine this DAGNET surveillance that you can very easily do on blockchains, because, you know, they are pretty much all, almost all of them are pretty much open, uh, combined with this KC data and, and the, the, the KCML uh, processes on, on all, all entry and exit points, you basically have no privacy uh, in in this context because even if you personally have like good obscurity, you you will just glow in among among all the all the known uh, people and the transactions. So, so this is this is very sad uh, how things are uh, ended up. And I think it's the original sin. Like uh, we should have just said like no to Casey and and, and make all the exchanges bankrupt who, who um, you know uh, started uh, complying and then it would have been a very different world i believe because then all all the successful major exchanges would have been on kac and and uh, the entire thing probably would look very very much different but sadly that opportunity was missed most people choose convenience and their uh, for a sense of security um and uh, and basically we are in this situation where uh, it's very much likely that they will clamp down on peer-to-peer uh, transactions and and exchanges as much as they can. And um, pretty much evidently, they want to herd everyone into regulated on and off ramps and and potentially into you know custodial um,
0: pools of liquidity. Yeah, do you think that was like feasible? I mean, I I like the sentiment that maybe the community could have been stricter about fighting back about KYC or that maybe like you're saying about the ATMs that also rings true to me because there was ATMs right in Canberra in Australia where I was. And there was at least two different ones. I've got a photo of me at the, like the pub, uh, the rugby union like pub uh, standing next to this ATM that I was so excited to see and my friend and and everybody else was like, what is this? Like everybody just completely ignored it. There was one and there was also one in the city center. But I think they're both gone now because that was like everybody had this idea. Oh, I'm going to do a Bitcoin ATM company. It was the, the thing to do. Like so many different people popped up doing it all over the world. But one like the regulators in basically every country just stopped it as far as I'm aware. Yep. Yeah,
1: that, that's the problem, right? If, if you have a physical pay, place uh, that is, uh, you know, someone can be held legally re- uh, liable, responsible for what's going on. You have you have a huge problem. So I think ATMs probably would have gotten got anyhow, and it's very hard. Like uh, places like local Bitcoin would have maybe bought for longer than centralized exchanges because really people are doing peer to peer stuff and and uh, if they like somehow made it somehow so that uh, they can dodge the whole uh, banking regulation by explicitly being non-custodial and and the stuff uh, or or found jurisdictions where where they can be forced to comply instead of just you know bending the knee immediately and forcing it on their users and stuff like that you know i think i think we could have uh, harder, and, and there would have been jurisdictions where where these these uh, these uh, exchanges would have been forced to go. Like if 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 the people abandon them when they try to comply, then the game is to 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 do maximum non-compliance, right? Do everything you can to not comply and and seek out, and and it is a profitable thing. Uh, it it could have been uh, like uh, actually very good for a few countries. To, to provide this safe haven because you know tax revenue and, and the money flowing through is generally a positive thing for a country so I I, I think I think it could have went differently but you know people are people like ninety I don't know how many percent of people don't give a flying fuck about privacy I'm sorry but that's just the reality and and as Bitcoin went more and more mainstream, I guess it was unavoidable that we became full of sheep, and and uh, and the original uh, cypherpunk ideology and and uh, and attitudes, you know, this uh, "fuck the state, uh, don't collect my data" attitude just got diluted to the point where it was economically insignificant. So I have no doubt a lot of people, you know, uh, just immediately like closed their accounts and said "fuck you," but. Um, but it, it was probably economically insignificant. That is why the exchanges uh, found it easier to bend the knee than to fight back, which would have been costlier and
0: potentially not even successful for all of them. Well, it's true, but I I mean I agree with you, but I think that it's a two-sided problem, right? Because at the same time as you and I are sitting here lamenting, okay, damn, that was like mess, you know. the the good old days when you could just get on whatever like sketchy exchange at the same time those guys were like rugging like crazy, right? Okay, and now you know I'm not yeah. saying that doesn't still happen. Like obviously you have FT. Now it's a different kind of scam, right? Now it's like a politically connected
1: scam. It, it was also good. It was also good because because you know that those guys are sketchy. So you didn't just send them hundreds of thousands of dollars or whatever. I mean, depending on your network, right? But I, I was calling
0: out them. dude, like I don't know about you, but <laughs>
1: Well, only send them the amount that you are willing to lose, that you are able to lose, and and just just take self custody as soon as you can. Like you know, just going get out as fast as you can. That would have been the game if you only have sketchy exchanges, right?
0: Yes, 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 and that's right. That's that's how it was. So I guess you didn't have. Well, it's kind of like the ultimate, you know, not your keys, not your coins. Lesson was just people getting burnt, like left, right, yeah. and center, which still happens to these days. But uh, sometimes it's like you need the the harsh environment of the desert, you know, breeds breeds the toughest warriors or something. <laughs> I, I
1: I I had an empty box registration, but I I never bought anything there.
0: So it's funny that I had an account, but never got rugged by them. Yes, I had. A, I did not have an account. I never signed up to Mount Gox, but I, I was in. <laughs> I was in China, and I helped these Chinese guys who were doing arbitrage <laughs> from uh, from the. You know, the price was so inflated on Mount Gox, probably because they were scamming at a certain point. Uh, but they were trying to like figure out how to wire money, you know, to their relatives who were in. I- San Francisco. I, I-, I felt <laughs> like
1: I felt like it, it has had this this feeling of Darwinism and Wild West, uh, and I actually I, I minded that people got rugged less than what is going on right now. I right? did this over compliance and and. Uh, and brutally invasive data collection and and uh, disclosures and and not just to the authorities because these these always get leaked due to incompetence these databases and it's such a horrible world we live in where data is used to identify you and to authorize things and this data is completely out of your control like absolutely once you give it out you have zero control over it and it's it just, it's just a nonsense to anyone who, who deals with uh, cryptography. Yes. Anyone from our world. It, it's complete nonsense that you are forced to give out identifying data that can be abused and can be used to harm you. And you have zero control over it. It, it can be leaked. It always gets leaked. And, and the criminals have these giant databases and they are data mining the shit out of it and, and using your personal identifying data for their uh, shit. And there is nothing you can do. There is no take back. It's just a horrible system.
0: Yes, yes, exactly, and I guess that's why we're here, trying to make an alternative. But it's cr- it's crazy because, like you say, the criminals. You know, in my mind, like you're tra- you're dealing with two batches of criminals, really, when it comes down to it, as well. So it's a pretty pretty rough spot to be trying yeah. to protect uh, individuals. Like I was reading the other day some stuff about GDPR and the principles and all that are like. Only collect the minimum amount of information and blah blah blah. Like that's in theory in the law, in practice, it doesn't really have work you out ever
1: managed to get a GDPR data deletion? Have you have you ever got any other answer from that that they can delete your data? Sorry.
0: I uh, you know, well that's the thing. So that I where I'm working, you know, I think we've we've had a couple, we've had a couple people write in and say they want to be deleted and we go through, we we delete it. So at least on our part, we ah. do follow that, but it's only a couple. You. It's only like a couple of people. It's only a minority of people that do that. No, no. I, I mean, I never
1: yes. got an answer back from anyone that they they will comply and delete my data. All I got was the excuses why they can't delete my personal identifying data, and and I I don't think I have. I, I even threatened. Uh, I think it was uh, Bitcoin. I don't know who it was, but I even threatened them to to just, uh, you know, report them to the the relevant authorities and stuff, and they don't give a fuck.
0: Yeah, it's pretty brutal, because if you're trying to be more anonymous, then having a huge court case is really not going to help you out, is it? So it's like the scales are tipped against you. Exactly, exactly. Doesn't make any sense. Anyway, here we are. You know, at the start of 2024, we got to check in on the price. The big news this week, speaking of custodians, was the BDC ETF, which instead of pumping BDC, it went up from 44-ish K, got up to 49 K on the fake news that the SEC said it was approved, but then said they were hacked. I do, I genuinely, I don't think they were hacked. I think they just, the guy posted tweet too early and then they were like, shit. <laughs> and so they had to pretend they were hacked. But anyway, and anyway, and then dumped. And now it's like, it got down to 41 or 40, 42K. Now it's you know around 43. I mean, but, it's not
1: surprising because what, what really happens on the shorter time frames in Bitcoin is that it's all a scam. Like uh, when it moves up, it probably just moves up to liquidate the shorts. Uh, sorry. Uh, yes. So liquidate yes. the shorts before you 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 really dump and then you liquidate the longs and tap into the liquidity because the market maker is going to go where the liquidity is. And but before they move the price where they wanted to, first they, they liquidate the, the over leveraged. Uh, anyone that is leveraged over 10 percent is probably going to get uh, taken out. And sometimes even people who are more careful they just get eaten before before the price goes where the liquidity is. And uh, I think uh, from all the smarter people who know what's going on, nobody was expecting like an immediate uh, gut candle or how they call it, uh, you know, the big green deal. Though uh, most people said it will be a sad news event because it always is. Compared to that, the price is fine, I guess, because what we see is that you had the scam, you had the, the liquidation of the digens and, and uh, we just stopped stabbed, uh, for now. And uh, it can go lower. It can, it can go way lower, I guess. But, um, but, um, generally this looks okay to me. If you look back like the past uh, month or so, um, this is where we were. So I guess it was just a, a big, uh, leverage liquidation
0: event and that's it. Yeah. So currently BCH is two hundred and fifty five dollars and sixty-three US cents, which is up a little. One BDC buys 169 BCH. So we're actually up on the ratio. So BCH outperformed uh BDC this week and so uh but ETH outperformed us. One ETH is 10.02 BCH so we're slightly down on that ratio so the news was that 11 funds are now live although there was some drama because some of the funds kind of went live but then somehow said they were refusing to serve customers and so it was pretty ironic some bitcoin and some btc coin is getting a bit upset that the large custodians were not were not serving yes. serving people with their bitcoin right this
1: is absolutely ridiculous i, I mean I don't understand who thinks that this is like a good idea. Aside from the people who literally cannot, for whatever reason, hold Bitcoin, they are forced into some uh, regulated construct where they can only buy stuff that is traded on exchanges. And if they are completely unsatisfied with how the stocks perform, which by the way, I was. so. One main reason that I actually started to use Bitcoin uh, for my own purposes is the math just somehow never worked out for me for retirement. like nothing nothing really works out because the the inflation numbers are a big scam and and yes they, they are lying about everything and the the real inflation and and the the fund fees and and the all the other expenses and the talks and whatever just eats up your your, your real gains and you do not actually make headway in real terms you you are always kept in your savings if you are playing their game in the regulated environment and bitcoin was beautiful in the sense that it completely broke out of that right and uh, of course i guess everything that goes with it um but i don't actually know how long that can last if, if people are starting to pour money into these paper products because Frankly, I think paper Bitcoin only increases the supply, not the demand. Yes. So it, yes. it's 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 like a horrible deal, a horrible idea to me. You are basically paying rent on 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 Bitcoin that does not necessarily exist, you know, yes. or have been rehypothecated endlessly, and you are even paying rent on that. So how is this a good idea to anyone? I can't fathom.
0: Well, I mean, I guess the excitement. And there, there is somewhat of an upside in the sense that this fund approval adds legitimacy to the sheep, right? Like everyone will be, uh, like all those friends and whatever that you've had over the years, who were like, "Oh, Bitcoin, I don't know, it's sketchy, whatever." Like now, it's just like there's an ETF. Just shut up, like it's over, like it's it's a mainstream thing. But it's a price not worth paying. Like it's inevitable. It was always inevitable from when Bitcoin was created that this kind of stuff would work its way through. Right, the regulated financial system is going to try and get involved, but that like doesn't mean we need to yeah. celebrate it or be hoping yeah. for them to pump our bags. I'd say.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's horrible. I mean, if it was, of course, like you said, it was inevitable. But it's also horrible. Given what what gave. Rise to Bitcoin. What what uh, what made its precursor, precursors precursors uh, happen? Right. What, what, the the whole process that people went through, that they tried to solve, was exactly this trusted regulated regulated environment was not actually trustable. Like people were being rugged constantly at a civilizational scale, and and Bitcoin was supposed to be like an alternative. And that whole Wild West period that I'm not talking about. That is much dearer to my heart than than this bullshit. And um, yes. yeah, I, I I pretty much only see risks and downsides in this, even though I understand people who say that. Some people in some uh, circumstances cannot hold actual Bitcoin in self
0: custody, but they can buy these papers. Fairly rare, right? Like everybody can learn. And even for people, your grandma or whatever, you know, it's still like she can still just operate the same way. There's already family structures, and like you can have somebody, some system there. Obviously, we don't in the modern world because people aren't tuned into that, but they, they can learn, right?
1: I guess this means people who are stuck in stuff like 401ks that the Americans have, right? Uh, these tax-advantaged these, uh, the pension-type constructs. I think that's what people primarily mean, that there is a lot of money there, and that money is captive in that system. And the ETFs bring Bitcoin exposure to that system. But frankly, if you just wanted price exposure, the futures ETFs should be like good enough. And the... Um, and, uh, they don't create the same systemic risk. Uh, they they have the same problem with centralizing price discovery. Like uh, you are you are subjugating Bitcoin price discovery to this this uh, rehypothecating uh, paper Bitcoin bullshit system, and uh, that did not end well for gold, in my opinion.
0: Yes, and, well, I don't, yeah, I don't think Bitcoin in anybody's opinion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really has to be that the the majority of Bitcoin is traded peer-to-peer, otherwise, yeah, the paper market just yeah. takes over the over the spot market, right? So, I, you know, it's really not, not, not great to see in that sense. Do you think there will be a return in the BDC community or even in the crypto community generally to being more concerned about P2P adoption now that this is done because there was so much... Hype and so for so many years, when's this ETF? When ETF? When it? Well, now it's there. Like it's kind of once it's over, once the news is over, suddenly it's like irrelevant. You know, it doesn't seem that relevant anymore. Do you think that will cause people to rethink, or is it just going to continue the? I honestly while? don't know. I honestly don't know. My big fear
1: is that that people will always choose the easiest out of any situation. For example, if Bitcoin fees get like really high and it becomes sticky, the easiest thing to do is just capitulate from self-custody. Right? That that's the easiest thing to do. That's what I think 95% of the people will do immediately. They will just capitulate and somehow find mechanism to cope. You know, they they will they will spin new narratives. And we already seen this play out over the years, right? Bitcoin is full of uh, people now who are very um you know uh, very much uh, saying that it was always meant to be that that only banks can transact on chain and and then you are just going to have a bank account but at least then they can't uh, you know can just print to infinity these i i don't understand why they say that to be honest like uh, if if you are if you are in a custody relationship, you know, mints and stuff like that are very, very popular on Bitcoin. Like that just has fractional reserve and rehypothecation coded into it, in my opinion. Like that, there is no actual relationship between those numbers that people see on their screens and and the, what what these entities actually control necessarily. I I don't know why they think just because Bitcoin can be transported faster, not necessarily cheaper, but but let's say cheaper too than gold. Uh, this thing magically goes goes away. I don't understand that school of philosophy, and sadly, it's very widespread in Bitcoin now. So that's what we are up against. And uh, again, I think people are taking the easy way out, sadly. And uh, the only only thing that I think can make them uh, seek an alternative again is when the 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 trap closes, right? So when when a bunch of people get rugged in these uh, in these regulated ward gardens. They, they get uh, they get trapped they get they get a shock. get the confiscation or, or whatever like like things go to your That's when you will see a renaissance of, of uh, people actually wanting to have something that cannot be you know uh, in such a way perverted. but depending on how much liquid is in or out of these things as you sell uh, the the end result
0: will be very much different for Bitcoin in particular. Yes. So then just quick thoughts on obviously this being the Bitcoin Cash podcast. Do you think we'll be getting an ETH ETF, a BCH ETF? Sort of seems inevitable to me, maybe a year, maybe two years, three years, probably not longer than that. I would guess 18 months of <laughs> the classic crypto I know, time frame.
1: I, I, I pray for you guys that you don't. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> what I can say. I, I hope you don't because because it's it's not a good thing. In, in, on the long term, it's, it's really, it's really just just the the fiat overlords, the lizards uh, taking control by the usual means of price discovery and and uh, basically just taking over without changing a line of code. Uh, these 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 uh, derivative paper contracts and, and centralized price discovery on these regulated exchanges are all means of control in the end. And if, yes. if you actually want peer-to-peer cash by any chance still, then then you don't want that.
0: Like that that's that's your nightmare. Yeah, makes sense. Okay, so I guess we've covered pretty conclusively what the problem is. So let's start talking solutions. Now you have been advocating very hard over the last I don't know, year, I guess more, uh, for this BIP one one nine check template verify which is a proposed soft fork to add into bitcoin bdc it adds covenants which is more sophisticated restrictions on how coins can be spent so for the listeners if you think of like a multi-sig address right where you have instead of just having you send in one coin and then you know to an address and then somebody can send it out instead you have like a three of five five people all have keys you know three of them are needed to sign to get it out That's the sort of the idea of a covenant in a way that people understand um, because people always say, well, why would I want more restrictions on what I could spend? Well, it's for scenarios like that, right? So that's just an easy way I've found to explain people. Now, this proposal is quite unique in a certain way because the BTC upgrade uh, and BIP process is quite opaque and also quite deliberately undefined. And so getting something through is a nightmare, and it was proposed in January of 2020 by this guy, Jeremy Rubin, who then got a ton of shit from the BTC community for it to the point that he said, fuck you guys, I'm out. And he's now been a bit more active, but he's just like faded away from it. But that seems to have helped it in a sense because the idea persisted and now people are more like, okay, consensus, whatever that means, is a bit more on its side. Can you explain... Like what is ctv why you think it'll be an answer and what's going on with the governance
1: yeah i, I mean it, it's not a magic bullet in the sense that if you activate then everything is suddenly good the next day right uh, that there is no way it will substantially impact the fees for example if the fees are too high and stuff like that immediately it's just another primitive like uh uh, check sequence verify and check lock time verify like we we had these softworks and nobody started to throw you know easy fits about them and 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 uh, and preach the end of the world. we just we just had them because it can be useful in the future generally to thousands of developers it's another tool they can use to build their applications and CTV is is similar um, I I don't think the multi uh, parallel is good because and, and you are absolutely right in that a lot of people just don't like the word restriction That it, it, it makes them feel claustrophobic even though bitcoin absolutely does not work without restrictions Like, if anyone could just update the bit, database anyhow then it would be like a complete mess and, and it would be unfit for any purpose so restrictions in the sense of authorization are very important uh to bitcoin who gets to update the database at what cost uh who gets to to uh, update entries uh specific entries and and in in which way these these are all forms of restrictions but the word restriction does not sit well with people and the even though it's technically correct by the way so ctv what it does technically is you basically hash the outputs of the transaction and uh, take that hash and check it with a value in the script. So basically, you can you can create an address that can only be spent in a way that the outputs exactly match a uh, amount and target exactly match that template. Of course, you can use if statement. So you can use if, uh, let's say, some threshold multi-sig uh, scheme, escape hatch, whatever you want, or it can only go this way. And uh, that's that's what uh, gives uh, CTV its true power, that it it is optional. Like uh, you use CTV in cases where cooperation breaks down
0: uh, a lot of times. Right, so one of the things that I, when I was reading it and I was trying to figure out, you know, this BIP, the key point seems to me basically that you've created this template for the transaction, like you said, the outputs, so you know, okay, under scenario A, one Bitcoin is going to you and one Bitcoin is going to me. And under scenario B, two Bitcoins are going to me. And that's just the end of the story. But the key is that the inputs are not um, predefined. So it's like you're putting half of the transaction, you're locking that in. Because I thought, why would you, if you already knew like locked in a transaction ahead of time, what would be the point of that? But the point is that the inputs are not uh, specified. So who puts the money into that uh, deal is you kind of and remain open, right? You know why they are not specified? Why?
1: Uh, because it would cause a hash cycle. Uh, it's an NP hard problem if you wanted to calculate it that way. Like, that, that's the only reason. I mean, a lot of times you could actually like specify the inputs. It, it's not a problem. You have an idea how the thoughts would flow exactly a lot of times. I mean, not always. It depends on the application depends on the contract. CTV can work both ways, that it can work in a way where transaction IDs are predictable, that requires that you commit to, because it commits to the number of inputs. And if you commit to the number of inputs as one, then there can only for, for any, UTX, so the flow is absolutely predictable, but yes. you can't really calculate the template hash. If you, if you have to uh, take this input, uh, which is again a hash uh, into consideration because because the the output of the transaction that it commits to it would would need to be you know like i said it's a half cycle you can you can just you, you can keep trying to churn it but you would not probably finish before this universe like ends because it certainly is too young like it's uh, i think uh, people estimate it to 13 billion years Six to 13 okay. billion years, and that's just not enough time to calculate uh, such a thing. <laughs> and uh, so that's the reason why it does not commit, uh, why Covenants try to avoid committing to in- in- input uh, outpoints. Uh, we call it yeah. a transaction and the, and the output uh, index outpoint. So uh, what I wanted to say is, uh, CTV is not a recent idea. It's like six years old, and uh, Jeremy Rubin has been years ahead in covenant research o- over most developers and most people. And and still, we have this running joke that when you have a nice idea about covenants, you you should uh, try to find uh, Jeremy's uh, blog post about it from C- three years <laughs> ago, right? Yes. And. Uh, and uh, yeah, it, it it was not a nice thing that happened to him because what happens is uh, people when they're like I said to you, I think uh, recently when when their enemy heuristics are triggered, uh, the enemy recognition heuristics are triggered. Uh, non-technical people can't uh, can't uh, reason technically. So what they do is when they want to participate, is they get personal because that's the, that they can do. And if they know your face, they know your name. They can Google you up. They can find whatever stupid thing that you said. Uh, that they, they will use that against you. And um, and uh, Jeremy did say a lot of trollish things, by the way, in in the past, and he
0: continues to do so. It's just this Jeremy weird. guy is sounding familiar.
1: <laughs> and 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 uh, he, I think, he founded the. Digital currency initiative at MIT that is working on these fat coins now. Yes. So that there are these things that, where where people can just say Jeremy is the grandfather of CBDC and and idiotic things like that, which are not true and he has nothing to do with that as far as I'm, I know. But people can make these connections if they really want to, right? The the internet is vast. It's a jungle out there. It's a zoo. <laughs> there are a lot of people who are very motivated to get personal with you, and they 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 have the means and. It got really personal and, and non-technical. And that I don't think he was prepared for that. And I don't think he was interested on that. And he felt like it, the whole process is wasting years of his life. And there are other things he could do. He did the work. He gave us the tools. He gave us the, the idea. And, uh, and so he said, okay, that's it. I'm out. Do whatever you want with it. And that was uh, unfortunate because, like I said, not everyone understood this in the depth he did. And uh, a lot of times, it comes very handy when Jeremy does decide to to come in and and uh, beat him for some some retard who who thinks too much of himself and just on technical grounds uh, show him how stupid he is. That we always enjoy those moments. And. Um, <laughs> And what, what else to say about that, uh, the, the interesting thing was about uh, CTV activation in 2022 of, uh, May of 2022, is that almost all the pushback was non-technical or technically nonsense. Like technically garbled nonsense, like permanent encumbrance, it's it's a very hard part to kill. As far as I can tell, it originates somewhere from 2015 from Gregory Moxon. Uh, oh, even though he was trolling and, and joking. joking, uh, and probably himself was not convinced that this is a big problem, but uh, his his writings uh, set the mood, so to speak, and 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 took the minds down a, a path of paranoia, and and it, it has been spreading as a meme, and and uh, and people are really finding it hard to to let go that uh, this thing could be used for some government whitelist blacklist bullshit. Even though we have been patiently telling them time and time again how that is completely unfeasible and doesn't make any sense and inefficient and you can't really do it. Um, These things are sticky and hard
0: to kill. Yes, no, the BCH community is very familiar with that. So then the two uh, elements to this, I thought that were quite interesting uh, around these sort of personal attacks and so forth is that firstly, it sets a terrible precedent, right? Is that nobody else is going to want to make a BDC upgrade BIP or blah, 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 propose things if they're going to get just mobbed by these, like, screaming vultures (laughs) or whatever. And the second uh, element, though, is that then after he uh, withdrew from it, that seems to have helped the proposal itself because it carried on a bit and then that sort of convinced... Some people in BBC have this very, you know, strange mindset that it's got to get into consensus with nobody in charge of it. Like they don't really understand sort of personal responsibility or anything. And it seemed to have helped in that regard. So what are you what are your thoughts on those elements? I, I, I think it
1: helped that he took his person out of it. That definitely helped because like I said, like the vast majority of the attacks were personal. And and that he he Jeremy withdrawing from that was like. Just taking the the wind out of that sail completely, and um, and uh, also one one pushback against this was that we are not doing uh, forks that are like uh, one man army single man projects. Even though that's how Bitcoin started, right? So Satoshi did not ask for permission. He did not ask for opinions. He he did the stuff the way he. Thought it was it was it should be done and and uh, people had a choice either like accept it and run it you know or, or or just ignore it that that was their choice that that is Bitcoin's origin but uh, nowadays uh, a lot of people hold the view that that no fork should have like a single uh, you know uh, champion who was always the uh, the
0: the, the champion, IBM yeah.
1: And, and yeah yeah so so they they think it should always be a group effort um, there is an ideology attached to that that i'm not sure i buy into but there is some twisted logic but that was one pushback uh, from from certain people that that it shouldn't be like a one-man project there should be more developers uh, involved more eyes see more you know all that stuff and uh, yeah. things should be like uh more widely discussed and more widely looked upon. The problem is that you can't really force developers to look on something. Like if if their life is busy, if the schedule, if the plate is full or they are like detached from all of this because they've moved on with their lives. Maybe they are sitting on coins from early days that have went up like, you know, 4,000 decks or something. Uh, maybe the whole, whole idea of uh, Engaging in any four debate is not appealing to them. They just want, you know, some chill and they want to enjoy life. They want to spend time with their kids. Maybe they are having new kids, you know, all that stuff. And it's very easy for them not to pay attention and you can't really expect them. They, they, it's not like they are paid to pay attention. It's not their job and you probably couldn't even pay them enough in a lot of cases, right? That's not why they are doing it. You have this weird situation that everyone expects the core developers to pick up on, on good ideas and support them and engage with them. And if it doesn't happen for whatever reason, the default heuristic is that it, it was not not a, such a good idea after all. And that's why I personally feel that core developers like really dropped, dropped the ball with Bitcoin recently in the past like seven years. because. Fundamentally, Bitcoin was not scared. Ownership was not scared, and a lot of time passed. And the regulatory environment is getting more and more and more hostile and and uh, overbearing and and uh, generally, you know, uh, a hindrance really to everything that we set out to do with Bitcoin. And uh, yes. and it feels like we have wasted time, like a lot of time. And uh, a whole bunch of people who do not have the same perception are asking the question, my favorite question that almost sends me, you know, uh, to chew off their face. What's the rush? What's the rush? What's the rush? rush? (laughs) So, so, yeah, that's my favorite question. What's the rush? Uh, So it takes years. It takes years to activate the software, it takes years to develop the applications that we need to develop. It takes years for people, the people, the ecosystem to adopt them with confidence. So we are talking about like 10 years before it really takes effect. And in 10 years, the, the entire regulatory framework can completely turn uh, into a into a full chokehold. Because it's almost is as is right now. They they are moving forward and they are trying always, always squeezing a little bit more, you know. Always removing your 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 opt out your your hope for self sovereignty they they want to close the escape hatch. Like I think Lagard said that if there is an escape hatch, then it will be used. They don't want you to use the escape hatch. Yeah. And uh, Bitcoiners in 2017, right? They decided they don't want uh, to go down the large block scaling path, which was the easiest, simplest way to increase the number of people who can hold their own keys. Mm-hmm. Most Bitcoiners today are skeptical that uh, we can actually do that right now um that that uh, the regulatory hostility will not come before the infrastructure is actually supportive the the worldwide broadband internet infrastructure gets decentralized enough for such a thing you know uh, that that's kind of i think the the more technical um uh, how do you say opposition will just increase in the block size that the blocks are already too large for certain alternative modes of propagation that we don't think they can just simply censor. And yeah. on the other hand, it was never meant to just stop there. I, I don't believe so. So I I have been, again, watching Bitcoin since like 2011 and I, I don't accept this new narrative that it was always meant to be banks. It was always meant to be just high-powered money for institutions on chain and, and everyone else should be in custody. I don't buy that. I don't think that's a, a sensible thing to do. And I think it will yield horrible results.
0: Yeah, so when it comes to CTV, the main, you know, I what I see happening is kind of the same thing with uh, drive chains and maybe with some of these other proposals is that, Everybody says, "Well, why do we need this?" And there's basically always two answers. It always comes down to the yeah. same two things, which is scaling and privacy. That's the two things that always get uh, brought up in every, you know, upgrade yeah. or something. Because that's like something that, even if the BDC community aren't like serious about making any moves on this, they at least like those ideas. Those those words, they will agree we should do something about that we can't, or at least some of them that will will do something about it right yeah. so do you think if CTV got implemented it would make a substantial difference on that front and also like you said that would maybe just be one step kind of in the process right it's not that yeah. that and finished so what else would be needed or related do you think
1: yes says I, I certainly think it's the first and most logical step for the simple reason that it is extremely low risk. Like we know that now that it is very safe, it has been through the gauntlet, it has been pike shed to death. And and, uh, it does uh, give you the ability to prove to someone trustlessly something similar to a, a pre-signed transaction like it, it creates something similar to pre-signed transaction but it is confirmed it cannot be double spent in any way it's not like a pre-signed transaction where you have to prove that you deleted the key right and and you can not just double spend someone uh, for them to or, or the the easiest thing to do is like you are getting into some multi-party computation thing, right? Uh, and you are both using your keys and, and that's why he knows that you can, but it's an extremely interactive process with a lot of run trips, a lot of failure possibilities. CTV makes this cheaper for on-chain validators, cheaper in on-chain cost, on-chain footprint, and non-interactive. Like both parties can calculate the same template hash, and there is no reason for them to exchange signatures, do any multi-party computation because they both know how it should be looking, right? And when you sign over a transaction amount, uh, uh, sign over some amount to this new contract, uh, you just won't do it. Unless, unless it's the same hash as you expect, and, and these can get very complex, like you can have multiple statements and a lot of uh, like, let's say a million different CTV distributions, in, in uh, depending on some conditions, and both parties can just calculate these things offline, they don't need to exchange all that data, they don't need to exchange all those signatures. So that's the real power of CTV that it just just super simplifies this thing and makes it more efficient in these cases. And in itself, uh, it it gives us a lot. So so CTV is, is very very um, useful uh, general primitive. We have like twelve use cases where it makes things more efficient. But uh, we are now pushing the the Ellen Hans uh, proposal. That's how we call it. LN stands for the Lightning Network and <clears throat> Enhance, uh, um, uh, you know, is, is uh, basically a claim that it will make the Lightning Network uh, more efficient, a uh, lot more efficient, a lot better and a lot more scalable because Lightning never scaled the the ownership thing, it never scaled, scaled how many people can hold their keys on chain, uh, even though it, it m- might be argued that it scaled the TPS, like how many transactions you can do, let's say in a year, if you can hold your keys on chain, let's say Lightning scale that. Again, some people say it's a complete failure and it should be abandoned. Some people say, yeah, 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 there are problems, but we can fix them. Give me a few more years. You know, opinions vary on this, but um, I think it's, it's pretty clear that we could have like hundreds of TPS out of Lightning if we wanted. Like if you just wanted to run like a demonstration of it, we could easily show that it does 100 TPS, uh, um, and uh, and that's a big deal because you know you would need very substantial uh, block size to do that, and and we can do that with basically one megabyte main block.
0: That's but, with CTV activated, you mean that you could get?
1: No, no, no. Right now right, right now, right yes. now you could. Okay. Right now you could do 100 TPS with Lightning, but again, that does not really scale. That that. Only like 10 million people, 10, 20, 20, maybe with some heavy optimizations, 100 million people could use Bitcoin in a self-serve way, maybe. I, I'm a bit skeptical about 100 million. I think if if you allow for future optimizations and, and stuff, then 20 to 100 million. And that's the cor- current limitation of the Bitcoin network. People who are technical understand this. Sadly, the non-technical people have been fed like some form of a falsehood or lie or a false image right they have been fed that the lightning network scared bitcoin uh coins are not needed it's all bullshit because you know it was a common critique uh, on bitcoin uh, a few
0: years ago that it doesn't scale yeah well on this show yeah like on this show i've been very critical <laughs> of lightning network and obviously the bitcoin cash podcast you know we've had a a number of guests come on and say, you know, from a BCH sort of perspective, lightning's bullshit, it's never going to work. It was always a distraction and a ploy and stuff like that. So that, and like you say, there's a, even in the BTC side, especially now there's more of a spectrum of opinions on it. So since you're on the show, I just thought it would be really good for my listeners to be able to hear, you know, the other side of the argument. Sounds like you are a bit more optimistic about yeah. Lightning Network, and I yeah, can I am, you just I dig in on that a little
1: bit. Okay, okay. So, so uh, yes, lately a lot of people came out, uh, broke ranks, so to speak, in Bitcoin, and said Lightning is garbage. It has fundamental issues you can't fix. But other people who are deep into Lightning development are saying that's not true. We can fix these things. Like maybe it takes a few years, we can fix them. It, it's not complete garbage. And even if like end users can't use Lightning directly. Even if the dream that people would be self-sovereign, I mean, there are issues with the hot wallet thing. Like every people running a lightning node at home and keeping all their wealth in a you know, hot wallet, you know, and the burglar that goes in. Like, um, you know, I don't know how they call it in English when you just uh, jack the power cable and, and uh, attach an external power source and just take the node with you. I don't know how if there is a funny uh, uh, practical word for it, but you can do this, right? Uh, you, you can take a Raspberry Pi node uh, under power, just pocket it and 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 go away with it. And if someone has like millions of dollars on it, then then that can be extracted. Like you cannot touch a debug.
0: Basically, stealing a lightning node.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. you, you can do it. You can. You can. Yeah. Do it. Why not? I mean,
0: you, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You just saying this is some next gen gen like crime if you have people breaking into houses like at gunpoint like forget about the jewelry like give us your lightning note yeah.
1: Exactly, exactly. And, and in a lot of cases, I mean, that you only need to do that if they are using full disk encryption and you can retrieve this data at rest. But I'm telling you, most of the Lightning nodes are not such uh, protected because it makes uh, booting them up hard. Uh, most of these are devices where you log in through a network connection to a web um, surface or something. Or or SSH into command line or something, and you can do that if if it requires uh, like a, a a boot up password. You know, you you would need to attach a keyboard and type in the password. Uh, but it, they don't even have a proper display in most cases, right? It, it was not designed. It, it was designed to be like a micro server, micro web server kind of thing. And and again the. Against cyber threats, I mean, we know that everything, every CPU, every every hardware device, every operating system is just full of zero-day vulnerabilities. These are um, a lot of times run on hobby computers, not not even real computers where you can talk about security at all. And we can't really talk about security with real computers, like uh, the whole Intel chip is just one giant backdoor with that uh, Intel management uh, the bullshit. Like I don't know how many unfixable. Uh, Meltdown and and heartbreak uh, and I don't know whatever you know you just get these these horrific uh, uh, exploits that that can be remotely executed on your computer a lot of times and and they they completely bypass all all attempts at uh, you know security at the OS level and uh, so so the whole thing is nightmare having hot wallets is is like. Not something that we can probably do going forward, unless something fundamentally changes, but it doesn't seem like it's changeable because it would require more capital than than how much anyone can throw at it. If Jack Dorsey threw all his personal that and all his companies at uh, trying to make an open source phone that does not have backdoors, I think he would not make it,
0: like he would fail. And, right, but uh, this is a, this is, hang on a second, so this is, a big issue with the Lightning Network. But to a certain extent, that's also true of mainnet, right? Uh these same I mean, The same hardware components.
1: Everything where you have a hot wallet, sadly. So if, if your keys are hot, then you have this issue that, that you are open to, uh, these are internet connected devices. That, that's the big problem. You, you have internet connected device, your keys are hot. And, and uh, they can be stolen at rest, but even if you have full disk encryption, someone can just steal them powered and 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 then extract your your keys and your wealth. So so this is a fundamental issue with the whole idea, and probably we can make progress on this over the years. Like I said, first things first, you have to full disk encrypt. Then maybe people need to booby trap their their lightning nodes that if you open the enclosure where it is held and it depowers the device and the food en- encryption and the booby trap together makes it impossible for a thief who doesn't know exactly how it is, bo- booby trapped. I mean, it's not a Mission Impossible spy movie, right? It's just a random guy tossing your place and opening a closet and boom, uh, uh, power is yanked from the lightning node, right? And, uh, and then he can't reboot it because he doesn't know your strong password, hopefully. And maybe we can use HSM devices like very narrow Autox surface, HSM signers that enforce some policy on routing lightning nodes. So we, we can come up with science fiction solutions for these that do not exist today, but we know that they can be done uh, in that sense, not fiction that we know exactly how to do these things, but they are not existent. So. It's not, not like the Lightning Network is is like fundamentally cannot work, but it certainly has unique challenges that uh, original users of blockchains are just not used to, right? Most people so, quite like the, the idea that they can receive offline, yes.
0: that
1: they have, they have a key, they, they can have a public key and their private key can be called, and, yes. and they can air gap the signing and all those things, right? Uh, but again, that doesn't really scale
0: with small blocks. Right. So what about? Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's, so that's kind of the the hardware compromise side of it. What do you make of the common sort of lightning network critiques that the liquidity channels and the economics doesn't add up for two reasons? Firstly, is it's just a nightmare to have uh, people in a decentralized mesh network with liquidity only in two party channels right it's just like it, everything ends up centralizing on one big hub and then secondly that obviously like you sort of alluded to the if the base layer is restricted then rising on chain fees are going to sync yeah. the the channels that you can feasibly run right
1: i think both partially are correct so i don't think for the last mile like for the end users it is workable. It's, it's a very bad idea that you have to allocate liquidity into channels that are not used and required as well. That was the main critique of Burak when he made the ARC proposal, that even though you might need as much liquidity altogether in, in an art pool, it is not logged into individual channels. It can be deployed where it's needed. That, that's a huge flexibility improvement. And Hub and Spoke Lightning does not offer you any privacy. Like literally the LSP will know every invoice that you pay, every Satoshi that you receive, everything that you do, they 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 are at a unique position to report to chain analysis. And you have even less privacy than you have on chain. And you have all these issues. Um, and um, <clears throat> for that reason, I don't think uh, the current Lightning Network, the current things that people are doing is it's not scalable for one on Bitcoin. It's not scalable, and and uh, it's not really good for privacy and not really good for user experience and for security, and um, and um, it, it just doesn't doesn't seem like a good technical solution. That doesn't mean Lightning is garbage and not good for anything, right? You can always um, <clears throat> you can always use Lightning to move funds between large pools of liquidity, various forms of pools of liquidity, like side sidechains, whatever. And you generally don't want to wait a bunch of time or buy into other networks, uh, do the atomic swaps manually. You just want to scan a QR code and send money. Right? That, that's, a, that's a user experience that people expect. Of course, you can do that when you have a homogeneous global network on, on layer one that is infinitely scalable. You can do that. You, you can just scan an address, send pay. Okay, whatever. Bitcoin did not choose this spot, of course. Uh, And we have this issue that uh, we are going to have these pools of liquidity. And uh, you have to have somehow like real-time settlement between them. Otherwise, they all have to know and trust each other. And then you will have the, the complete SMTPification SMTPification of, of the, the network, right? The, what happened with SMTP, that in theory, everyone can run an SMTP server. In practice, uh, you will not be able to send emails, right? Unless Google says so. Yes. And, uh, and, and that's kind of the issue uh, with, with Lightning, um, that probably going to exist a scale Where it is useful to minimize trust uh, between these these entities. Um, But since it does not really scale the end user experience, these pools of liquidity are very likely going to be uh, custodial if you do nothing. And worst case scenario, it's going to be custodial in a way where the sorts are not even, sorts of coins, whatever you want to call them, are not even accountable on chain. So in a Fedimin situation, what you have is. Basically, a trust me, bro, relationship with a Mint. So they are saying, yes, uh, we, we are heavy, we, we have under control all the satoshis that people hold in our wallet that uh, for the e-cash that we issued. Right? And that's either true or not. And knowing human history, knowing financial history, it's going to be true for like half a year or so. <laughs> and then it's, it will gradually go to hell, probably. And people have all sorts of copes and and uh, and dreams of why this will not happen. And of course, yes, a few will fail, but then the survivors will be okay. I mean, that's just not what our financial history shows with banks, to be honest. Uh, it shows that that if there is trust, it's going to be betrayed. It's just a matter of time. And, and fractional reserve is the natural state of these things, uh, of these systems. So we would like to offer an alternative where... The, your thoughts are actually accountable on chain and in fact if if, if there is enough of them if, if you have a large enough stash then you can you can push them unilaterally on chain that's a completely different relationship than you have with with basically a bank if a bank changes the rules on you overnight the next day you can't unilaterally exit if you could conjure your money out they couldn't do that they 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 simply couldn't change the rules on you right the Everyone would be just mad, and, and they would just abandon that bank, and then the free market would take care of it because only good banks would uh, hold customer funds. But you can't; your money is stuck, it's hostage. And uh, and with these uh, covenant constructs, you actually have the unilateral exit. It's just a bit expensive, but you can make it. Um, you know, you can make it uh, a lose-lose situation. If cooperation breaks down, both, both parties can lose money. And that's important because then both parties have a financial incentive to cooperate. And even worst case, if you cannot go on chain, your satoshis are still expressed on chain, so they cannot run a fractional reserve on you. That, that's I, I personally believe that's a huge thing compared to the alternative, that that we do not immediately capitulate to a fractional reserve banking system and credit system and whatever derivative system but instead we are trying to scale in a way where they at least can do that and worst case your coins are burned and the bank is not really incentivized to burn your coins They they would be incentivized to misallocate or steal your coins there would be a financial incentive if they can do that but in a common scaling world they can't do that anyhow all they can do is lose money and lose customer trust and lose their business that's what they can do but they can't steal uh, ideally And that's kind of the situation that we are fighting for. And you understand that this is a far cry from where Bitcoin started out. The the original dream was not this, but we had this reality check that, uh, again, in Bitcoin, we are not able to just keep increasing the block size. I know on Bitcoin Cashland, it's absolutely like a, a baffling statement. (laughs) <laughs> that you <laughs> yes. have this, this this scarcity and and you have to do these acrobatics and and insane complexity uh, stunts because uh, you guys think uh, we will just keep increasing in the block size if we have to I, I yeah. understand that. However, it would be much more funnier if you had to deal with this GPEG spam uh, and uh, BRC20 spam than, than we, <laughs> uh, and, and then then see how that goes for you. Because frankly, as I understand, you actually want tokens and NFTs on Bcash, and yes. we very much don't, most of us don't want them on, on Bitcoin, but for some reason, they want to be on bitcoin and not on bitcoin cash and this is like a horrible situation for everyone because <laughs> you not get to validate you don't get to validate the large block uh, scaling philosophy because you have small blocks basically i think bcash yeah. is th- the, the smallest block in effect of the bitcoin yeah. forks and yeah. and bitcoin is 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 pretty chunky and uh, way over comfort for us and uh, there is a huge amount of blockchain data and, uh, and, uh, and 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 uh, and the scammers uh, are are loving it, uh, and they actually, for some reason, value the scarcity of the block space. Like they think it gives more prestige to their JPEGs or something, uh, and their rare satoshis that it's on a scarce block sh- block space instead of an abundant block space. And we have this unfortunate situation where where none of us can do what we want, sadly, uh, or what 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 we would have liked to prove because um you know people people just don't uh oblige
0: yeah so give me the uh give so the, you identified a lot of problems and and issues there and things that could maybe be worked out so give me the hypothetical moon settler dream scenario right if you were made a dictator over btc today and you were able to do sort of the changes and scaling roadmap and so forth that you want like maybe you immediately ship ctv then you have you know maybe some other couple of ideas over the next couple of years or or whatever it is what what how would you play it if you just had unilateral control obviously you don't but if you did how would it all work out
1: yeah so bitcoin of course can't have uh, like benevolent dictators that that will never be accepted hopefully um i I personally would very much like to see how far we can go with actually trying to scale small blocks with Covenant. So my answer would be that Ellen Hans is absolutely like a low risk, um, high reward um, thing that that we should do, like immediately. We should activate it this year. And it's, it's even, it might just be too late. So I, I'm personally a bit of a doomer. I'm very blackballed on this whole thing. I think we have wasted too much time, and and now they are moving to the then they fight you face, and and they have like infinite money printer, and and in general like a uh, hundred times more money than the Bitcoin ma- market cap at their disposal, and they get to use their existing uh, police and military uh, violent coercion uh, system uh, for basically no apparent cost to just just smack down and anything. And so I'm I, I think we, we have wasted too much time. Uh but I'm still like careful about like i I'm not in the camp of let's just activate everything. Although on some days I'm so much fed up with the the accelerationists and the ossifiers that I I, I say things like, okay, let's just activate Opcat and let's just blow this thing up. <laughs> because you know opcat is uh, weirdly, it's a simplest string concatenation operation, but with combination of the other opcodes, it, it kind of gives us everything in an ine- inefficient way. And then there is no reason to say I don't want to do this or that because someone can just write skip using opcat and sig or whatever and show that you can do this right now on Bitcoin. But it, it's like a one kilobyte witness, so why not do it with thirty-two bytes? Uh, tell me the reason why not, you know? Uh, but uh, really this this three of codes that is a uh, check template verify check sig from stack uh, i think you call that check data sig in bitcoin cash mm-hmm.
0: um
1: it's it's largely largely the same thing uh same 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 um same Contact, thing you can yeah. do with it
0: yeah yeah
1: and um and the uh, internal key, which is a very taproot-specific thing. Uh, taproot has this internal pub key that gets tweaked with the script uh, hash. Basically, the the MAST, uh, tree, um, the Merkleized abstract—I I don't know—doesn't come to me what's the exact uh, name, but there is a Merkle tree of the the taproot leaf uh, script leaves, and uh, and it commits to the root of that tree, basically. And uh, that that's kind of similar to uh, pay to skip hash, uh, you know, uh, kind of thing. And you tweak the public key with that value, and that's how you get the taproot external key. That, that that's what the taproot address is basically. It's like a, a point on the elliptic curve without uh, the without the auditing marker because it always have to be. Uh, I think. Uh, I think it always have to be even, always have to be zero two, 2 So that, that's omitted. And um, and that gives you a certain two bytes of data, and, and they form a back cert to address from it. And uh, that's basically your taproot address. And uh, internal key puts this internal pub key that you can use to, uh, if you know the private key to it, you can use to move your funds without executing any script. It's um, it's a a specialty of taproot. And of course you can always generate that point as a nums point. So you can just hash some value to the curve. And that means it's an unknown discrete logarithm. So, so basically that means there is no such pub key. You can prove it because you, you hashed hello bird to the curve and, and nobody knows the private key to that. Right. And, um, and that way you can do skip only executable tap addresses um but this internal pub key uh, can be with this instruction this internal key instruction which is a one by top code can be pushed to stack and that's very convenient because otherwise you would have to include it basically twice uh, because you have to expose when you execute the script but you have to expose the internal key anyhow otherwise the whole tree could not be verified. And um, then you have to just uh, you know push it onto the stack from the script itself to actually work with it. And the internal key, just push it to the stack, the stack so it saves you 32 bytes. There is really absolutely no reason to talk anymore about it because that's all it does. It's a special push operator.
0: And okay, um, so hang on. So you get, you get these uh, upgrades in. That adds a lot of scalability to Lightning Network, presumably. Yeah. Like you said, you optimistically, okay. You you're you're pretty happy with one megabyte, or would you also get a block size increase in there at some point? Uh not right now. So right uh-huh. now,
1: the the way this thing looks with the the inscriptions and the the general spam and the exogenous asset trading on Bitcoin. Yes. I am sorry, but I'm kind of ideologically aligned towards Bitcoin being like this uh, this monetary revolution, and and I want to support uh, and make it more competitive the uh, competitive the the native economic use of Bitcoin, Bitcoin the token, not mm-hmm. random USD or or I don't know what other bullshit tokens are traded on Bitcoin right now. Like I don't want to make more space for that. That's yes. not the purpose of the system, in my opinion. Again, people are free to differ uh, on this, end, and everyone can have their own ideas. I'm I'm in the camp that, that actually wants to just make Bitcoin work as money as much as possible, and and make self custody the standard. And yes, it, it's just not conductive. If you increase the block size, uh, you you give more space to garbage, and the the stop on that will be the same equilibrium on the the cost of inscribing the garbage. Right. Yeah. So probably you are going to over time end up at the same fees, no matter how much uh, how much box space you give to these
0: people. You just because... get twice as much yeah. garbage, uh, and it fills up to the yeah. same. Essentially.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. So. I, what I what, I'm tra- what I what I would like to explore is uh, to make people share these UTXOs in a way that they can, because there are ma- they are many, they are legion. Right. They can outbeat uh, these. Uh, these quite large and inefficient transactions like we want to outbid inefficient use of block space how i can do that i can put a thousand people into a single taproot uh single sig address and i can use like 160 200 uh, vbytes to move that over to a new address and that can encompass like a uh, hundred lightning channel opens and closes and internal transfers and an internal coin join and, and I, I have used like 200 V-bytes uh, on, on, the, on the blockchain. Right? That's roughly the size of a normal uh, <clears throat> normal transaction that is absolutely nothing fancy. And that, that could make it very competitive on the fee market. And it also gives us like a huge amount of privacy. So anyone doing chain analysis would just see this one transfer and have no idea absolutely what is going on, on off-chain and that's yeah. kind of the 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 part that i wish to explore before we even talk about you know box size increase or even talk about um, uh other forms of alternative scaling because it seems like the most robust in the sense that you can absolutely not hold people's money in theory if they have enough hostage uh, they have the unilateral exit they can cooperate um and um, and um, it is costly not to cooperate. And uh, every Satoshi is accounted online. The, everyone can check that every every Satoshi that they own is actually, uh, you know, uh, how do you say this? Is uh, so? It's, it's basically is locked into their keys. I don't know yes. how to say that in English. It's uh, accountable to, for, yeah. yeah, yeah, accountable for, and, and, and actually attributed to their keys, right? So that's an important thing because. If, if you just show that the money is there, you can show that to 10 different people. But if it's their private key that unlocks it, right? The, it is locked to their public key, then it's I- infeasible to, to make multiple people use the same pub key. Oh, it's
0: like still connected. Users. Yeah, yeah. You're not saying, okay, we've just got a pot of money and these 10 yeah. people, but then there's some like... Uh, yeah. custodians or yeah. something in the middle, instead you're saying it's still yeah. linked up. You,
1: you can do internet rehypothecation, yeah, you can't reuse yeah. the Satoshis. Everything is everything is, is long logged into pods that lead to people's uh keys, and then holding yes. their own keys is what we want to scale. And like I said, even if you can't actually push it on chain because it's too expensive, nobody is really incentivized in trying to uh do anything funny with it because they can steal it. Uh, the worst thing can right. do is, is 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 just just making you not be able to uh, spend it, but it would cost them money. So I kind of think this could lead to naturally like more cooperation. Again, nobody's incentivized to do uh, silly shit because it's costly, and and it's impossible to do rehypothecation and fractional reserve. And I think that's the immediate danger right now. So if Bitcoin is not changed in any way. The pod that we are going down is that this re and fast tracking of the banking history of it, uh, of our civilization, and it will end in a few years in in some fractional reserve bullshit.
0: Okay, all right. So I'm, you know, obviously I don't know that I'm personally convinced by this strategy, but I do understand it. I understand kind of what you're going for, right? So this is the game plan. Now, walk me through how that's actually going to happen. You made a tweet. Uh, at the end of last year, I think we even brought it up on the Christmas episode talking about a CDV activation client in January 10th. Yeah. As far as I know, that didn't really come together. Yeah, we, so. we, we, we played ourselves on that because right.
1: I have been an advocate, but uh, again, this is pretty disorganized what we do. Everyone is just pushing what they think and we are talking and, and it's a, it's a huge mess. But I, I was an advocate for uh, CTV plus check stack but check stack always seemed like something that we will do later because uh, it was just not ready. Like it doesn't have a big number. It doesn't have implementation. It's not tested, not widely reviewed, unlike CTV. But the two together is truly powerful. It gives us stuff like uh, LN symmetry, uh, also known as L2. Um, that's something the Lightning Tribe really wanted. Uh-huh. And so, it, it, it it gives us it gives us the ability to do what I call deferred authorizations that are malleability resistant. You know, Segwit was uh, touted to be like something necessary for the Lightning Network. I'm pretty sure you heard this that that we had to do Segwit to have Lightning. Yes. That's bullshit, by the way. That yes. technically, that technical is <laughs> bullshit because you can do Lightning quite a few ways, and uh, and uh, it, it's entirely possible that we would have a better Lightning Network if we didn't do SegWit, instead we did some Covenant, which, by the way, was proposed. So APO's precursor, uh No, C-cash no Input, uh, was actually proposed uh, as an alternative uh, by the people who, who dreamed up the Lightning Network. And, and, um, and people, after spending seven years on trying to make Lightning work, are now really want to just redo all the work and just replace all that uh, effort with something on completely different grounds, which
0: is quite funny if you think about it.
1: It'll only <laughs> well,
0: you might. Yeah, that might be funny for you, but to us, it's sort of predictable and sad, I guess. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I
1: understand that that it's more funny for people who were like light, lightning skeptics all along, but I think it's even funny to people who absolutely bought into lightning and and uh, and now are seeing that that the developers basically want to throw away every. Everything uh, that was uh, that was touted as the basis of the Lightning Network and and want to create Lightning channels that are malleability resistant that could have been done without SegWit, by the way. Yes. And uh, these these are these have much simpler internal state machines. They have less round trip. They have less uh, problems with uh, you know you don't have to do penalty mechanism. Which, which there is the, the routing nodes right now in lightning if you accidentally for whatever technical reason like you you experience the drive failure or 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 maybe try to restore from a, a bad shutdown or whatever and your node just uh, for whatever reason uh, you know broadcasts an older state and someone has a newer state all of your channel balance can be forfeited to them a real attacker, of course, uh, would uh, probably spend his uh, entire balance and would only have the one percent channel reserve. So uh, an actual attacker that tries to steal only risks one percent. But people who are innocent and just make a mistake or experience a technical failure, actually have the risk to lose a significant amount of their money to the channel peer. Right? All they have to do is like uh, somehow broadcast an old state. And that is punishable. And the uh, symmetry, of course, uh, does not require punishment mechanism because all the states can just naturally be overridden by a newer state. And and um, uh, that means that uh, instead of penalizing, they would just uh, you know send the newer state by default if if this happens.
0: So and are we uh, going to get a CTV soft fork in? twenty twenty four, what and what's the I game hope. plan if if I I hope if so. you can't. Uh,
1: so what what I wanted to say and we food gunned ourselves because it's very high value to do both C T V and Check from Stack. But like I said, CTV is very much ready. It's it's been through this whole bike shedding process for years, and CheckSig from Stack is a new proposal. Now there is a chance that uh the community will actually get excited about this the lightning developers and the core developers will see that this is this minimalistic very conservative change to bitcoin that doesn't really change anything about the trade-offs often touted you know the the node costs and and the network uh, uh, decentralization You, 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 you know all that i guess for years of debate and uh, it doesn't change any of that, but we still think it can optimistically like supercharge this thing and, and scale, scale lightning and uh, the end user lightning wallets in a non-cast area to like a scale of 10 to 100 uh, X. So, so, so one to magnitudes more people can use lightning holding their own keys optimistically and, and other stuff like a bunch of other stuff that we can do with it. And, um, and it, it's super useful and valuable and uh, here comes the real uh, funny thing, we recently understood that it's very, very likely, it's not 100% sure, but it's very likely that Ellen uh, Hans with these three of codes actually does L N Symmetry better than APO, which was purposefully designed for it. And pretty much was a, a done deal in a lot of lighting developers had that we are going to have APO and that's how L N Symmetry will be done. And Hans actually seems to be more efficient. Less round tips, less bytes on chain than APO. So it beats it on the home ground. And that's why we are hopeful that that people are going to get excited about it. We will see a lot of reviews. The conversation will move along faster and we we can start the activation process this year. However, if this does not happen, like we do not see core developers engaging it. We do not see people reviewing it. We do not see the Lightning Tribe wanting it. You know, getting excited about it and pushing for it,
0: then we are back to CTV only. Like, um, and then you'd run it back in twenty twenty five if you had a whole year, no um, progress. I think, I think, I definitely would want to start something this year. Like,
1: uh, I, I'm willing to give a few months to see how the community reacts to Alan Hans. I really hope they will be as excited about it as we are. But if that does not happen, then I'm back to the original plan. Which is to to release an activation client and try to UASF uh, check template verify to so uh, jam import, it in there
0: with the UASF. Yeah, like no it, fucks uh, given. What kind yeah. of activation period would it be? One one year? I I heard uh, um, Shinobi saying four years. I was like, yeah, about four years, mate.
1: Yeah, no, no. Most people most people think that's too much, but other people say that the ecosystem needs time to digest these things. Like you can't just blindside them because if you yeah. blindside them, then the then they push back. The instinctual yeah. reaction is is to push back and and to resist. Yes, and we don't exactly know what what is the tolerance there because there will be people who will never be convinced. Like <laughs> we know that, that there are people who just want to do everything to delay it indefinitely and 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 uh, never let it activate. Um. Mm-hmm. And um, we also seen that if activation is not on the table, then nothing fucking happens. Like this is a memoryless process, As some people say. Uh, consensus is a flat circle. You go around and around and get nowhere. That, that's that's kind of how it goes. The the one thing that can break it, uh, and a lot of people disagree with that, but is that you you force the issue like you actually start activation talks, even though the gray birds, the, the old guard doesn't like it, doesn't find it appropriate. You say, fuck you, because that gets attention. Yes. Like, uh, I, there, there is nothing, uh, as I can say, if those people are not paying attention and they are not doing their job, their supposed job, then we have to do something to break the, the gridlock because there is no reason to assume that if you do the same thing that we did like the past two years, then it's going to yield a different result In fact, over time, it's going to be harder and harder to change Bitcoin. The situation is going to be worse. More and more new people will join Bitcoin, who will all feel entitled to have a saying consensus and and, uh, to... To consent to changes, even though that informed consent is impossible because they just don't have the know-how, they they don't understand these things at the depth where you can give an informed consent, right? So the situation can only get worse as time goes by, and that is why I, I absolutely want to do something in 2024. I kind of, like I said, we food gunned ourselves with this January thing because Ellen Hans is so much more valuable than CTV only. Like we are, we are figuring out things with it, we are building the contracts, the contracts, You see how incredibly useful it is. And it's still like 200, 300 lines of code change to Bitcoin. It's still something that you can review in one sitting if you are a core developer. It's, it's not, not a huge change, again, does not change anything fundamentally about Bitcoin. It just opens up the door to this huge off-chain scaling, which is, like I said, optimistic. Like It, it absolutely doesn't work in the worst case situations. It also depends on human behavior to follow incentives and, and proper incentive designs and and proper wallet designs and again people just not being assholes in general and and must you know like we, we we presume that most people will choose cooperation if non cooperation does not benefit them in fact it is punishing monetarily that that's the assumption it's there is no guarantee to this. To be honest. That's why it's an optimistic protocol, an optimistic scaling protocol because worst case, it does not do anything to scale Bitcoin.
0: Yeah. Now, what do you make of the fact I'm intrigued by obviously you have sort of the traditional laser eyes slash ossifiers slash conservative, I guess you could say, uh, Bitcoiners who are not going to like any single proposal. So you've got them, you've got you with the CTV and all that uh, happening. And then at the same time, you have the taproot wizards telling the, or disrespect is the laser eyes to just, yeah. it's on them to fork off because they're already in they the are, don't You them. don't, yeah. Yeah. And then, but hang on, you had um, Eric and Udi come out just yesterday, which, you know, and they've released this new NFT series called quantum cats. And the idea is essentially to do marketing for this op cat change, which you referenced, yeah just before. So they're, they've come out on that, and Udi has promised that there would be, you know, obviously whether they, not, he can deliver on this, a soft fork in 2024. I was expecting them to jump on the CTV tr- train, but now they've gone with OpCat, which is a different thing, and they made a whole, like, salty website explaining the BIP process, except it doesn't actually explain it. It's just full of, like, in-jokes, because nobody knows how it works. And yeah. so they're kind of just fumbling around, like, Taking a stab at well, we've got to do something. So yeah. I don't know. They picked OpCat for the meme potential. What do you make of that?
1: Exactly. Yeah, I I love that website. By the way, like it's absolutely hilarious, and I I did autistically try to play it, and and of course couldn't finish. Like I actually flip the coins okay. and it's, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> like it's, it's probably uh, close to unbeatable game. As some people suggested, you can you can use it as a drinking game or something for extra yeah. fun at uh, Bitcoin at parties. But, but I, I love the vibe. I love the, I, I don't mind them trolling. It is true that it is disruptive. It might be disruptive, like taunting the ossifiers and most of them are actually non-technical and... And um, it might even scare them, uh, you know, but potentials lie in OpCat, which we in the technical committee openly talk about. And we are half excited, half spooked by these things, you know, uh, opinions differ on how much people would take advantage of these things. But we actually enjoy coming up weird and, and crazy and unexpected things you can do with OpCat. And, uh, and again, people who are fed up with this great currenting that is going in our world and in Bitcoin as well, right? This this um, overbearing, protective, nanny state attitude that certain people even developed in Bitcoin now, uh, that they want to police how other people use <laughs> the blockchain, right? Uh, that's what I call great currenting. Uh, that, that you are not allowed to use unless I approved the 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 way to use Bitcoin. And, and this this whole thing just seems anti-ethical to Bitcoin to me, in, in, in a sense. In another way, I understand. Like, it is your precious. You you put your lives and hopes on it, and you really don't want other people to fuck it up. But I don't think this is the way. That's my general observation, that I don't think policing and coroning is the way be honest. Uh, I think the incentives should be made right. Like, like we should empower the users with with the right changes to use Bitcoin more efficiently. And then inefficient use will be crowded out to the fees. Like that that's the that's the small block scaling paradigm, the base idea is that economically dense uh, use of the blockchain more efficient use of the blockchain will crowd out the bullshit. That, that's, that's the whole reason to have small blocks. There is no other reason. I mean, okay. the, that's that's not true. There are there are a few other technical reasons: propagation, validation. Like I said, the host from nation states. So Let's forget that I said that. But but I, uh, there is this reason that that it is a dose protection on Bitcoin also, like from from just flooding it with bullshit, and we yes. are seeing this that that bullshit is still can take up ninety percent of the block. Yes block space. And that's completely surprising to me, to be honest. So I used to be in the moderate block size increase camp Yes, like a few years ago. I I was even tweeting about this stuff that we are not going to make it with one megabyte blocks. That was my understanding when I joined Twitter, that it's it's just not going to work. Mm -hmm. And I'm very happy that I found an alternative that seemed to solve this current problem as well because otherwise I would probably just
0: have to sell my bags and say goodbye, you know. But at least I I have some well, i want to ask you about that right because obviously we've been uh chatting away on twitter and stuff over the last little while i was curious on it sounds like you're actually you know moving away from any interest in block size increases but being a dev and obviously having you know done i assume at least some reading up. what do you make of the current bitcoin cash changes with uh, regards yeah. to uh cash tokens and all those other changes we had a clip of you on the show uh, a couple of weeks ago, talking about you know that we kept on with the original scaling, you know, plan and yeah. stuff like that. What's your, what's your view on that today?
1: Yeah, I, I I think I personally think Satoshi was a big big blocker when he designed Bitcoin. I think undoubtedly he thought the block size will just keep increasing with demand naturally. That's what he expected. I don't think he thought this whole thing through, um, or or he thought too much of it and. One of the early criticisms was exactly that the people thought, him, man, your system does not scale as well as you think it does. Uh, in fact, it doesn't scale at all." But, but uh, I think Satoshi, when he designed Bitcoin, and more importantly, when he designed like the 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 economic, the monetary policy of Bitcoin, I think he assumed that as the the, the subsidy holds, probably block size will double. I personally think that was his expectation, like the transaction count will grow exponentially and and fees will, uh, even if they are low, they will amount to a lot. I I think that was his uh, position. And for a lot of years, I took it for granted that we are going to keep increasing the block size, naturally with organic demand growth, right? The problem that happened right now is that it became very clear that you can forget this organic demand growth thing completely if there are other um, other uh, demand for block space that actually is economically rational. So it's not just spamming, it's not just out of spite, it's not just graffiti or whatever, but people expect to make money on it. There, there is a huge land grab. Uh, digital land grab going on Bitcoin right now. People are minting tokens and and uh, inscribing stuff, and they are doing this because they expect that in the bull market they can make a profit on that. And and that's a completely different situation than from just people vandalizing the blockchain out of spite and and paying uh, from their own pocket for for basically garbage. So that's kind of what makes me very cautious about uh, doing any block size increase right now. And like I said, I, I'm sorry uh, that uh, you don't get to validate your philosophy. Like if, if you got this, gear, I'm hoping you we know, will
0: though. I'm hoping yeah. you know at, at at some point we'll be able to create some edge that will give us a a spike in demand. So it's on that on that topic. Like what what would it take for you to be more seriously interested in BCH or to switch sides? Is there any possible scenario um, you can see? Yes. Yes, I I think there
1: is like, like, uh, in 2017, 18, I completely viewed you guys as idiots and the enemy. I was sort of like a a frontline infantry in in that bullshit uh, on the small block size. And not because I thought we will never increase the box size again. Like back then, I just thought we will do it more moderately and more organically and and uh, and yes, back then I thought it, it was rushing things to increase to eight megabytes or whatever. Like it was too soon, and um, that's not how we should do it. And and uh, I kind of was in the camp then that we should make some adaptive algorithm that you are trying to fork in now, and and then just set like a a price to try to force grow and try to spam. And uh, I had these ideas for a very long time, but I see now that people are willing to pay way more. For the block space for this bullshit reason than I ever thought back then. Like I seriously did not think that people are going to pay hundreds of satoshis of per byte for for um, for these these things uh, to inscribe these these JPEGs. I I I found that like impossible, really, uh, at least at any sustained period. And right now we see that it is pretty sustained for now, and it's still a bear market. I don't know what will happen in the bull market I think we, we just have to see if this this whole thing survives the bull market because then fees in the mania phase you know you they really go high and um and uh so th- yeah it's interesting like uh my my view on this changed a lot in the past uh two or three years uh that's what I can say and the only reason I came to Twitter by the way was uh, exactly that that I saw that the narrative shifted in Bitcoin land to not ever having a block size increase. And that was a complete surprise to me. Like I I, I was baffled. I was I was I, I felt kind of betrayed. Like I, I didn't know what to make of this because again I always took it granted that we will keep increasing the block size with demand and as technology grows and you know <clears throat> all that stuff. And back then I did not see the reason why not to do that. Uh there was not, it was not demonstrated so to speak. <laughs> and um and I came to Twitter to to figure out what the fuck went wrong with Bitcoin development, really. Because for a while things progressed and then it seemed to stop and we stopped doing anything scaling related whatsoever. It, it, it was like people capitulated on the idea that people will hold their own keys and, and everyone just accepted that we will be banked. And and that's it, right? And and that's that's like a, a complete anathema uh, to to Bitcoin and and where this came from and and my understanding which again comes from like 2011 and and onward right i i did not know what to make of this but you want me get banged that's what i'm trying to get away from
0: so when it comes to i just also like i'm curious you know have you read like the cash token spec and stuff because i know uh bitcoin cash orders has been <laughs> telling you about that and obviously being like a yeah. technical dev it would be great to get like we already did with the, the you know the other side of the lightning network if you have any thoughts yeah. on
1: people, people on sent me links but i didn't get very much in depth with it because like yeah. i said i'm trying to trying to think of ways the the primary motivation for me to be engaged with this whole thing is to scale the native uh native bitcoin use as money and yes. and 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 as and store of value and it kind of seems to me that that cash tokens is going into a different direction direction it is trying to explore this defi uh, casino ethereum like yes. uh, use case to be honest and 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 that was again surprising to me. I, I thought that uh, the big cash people are are laser focused on on you know the the peer to peer cash
0: thing. That, that's yes how no. I find them in my head. I mean, in my mind, it's not really that clear cut because essentially a lot of the big blockers ended up in ETH, right? Uh, as a result of the scaling, you know, issues, and now some of them are off on their own tangent, right? But I'm oh. not super surprised like i've always been more open-minded to that kind of stuff and i think the bch community is now finding a good balance where we can see the importance of that demand like we just we tried so many years of just cash if you'll have it that way and with like physical merchant adoption and stuff and that didn't really Mm. produce the results that we needed although that's for a lot of other reasons other cryptos you know dash or monero or lightning network it's all struggled in that arena just because crypto is not well suited to fighting in a physical environment right
1: yeah i I, I understand what you mean the the merchant adoption is very disappointing and and especially it was very disappointing a few years back so I, i totally understand that
0: you saw that the real demand lies for the casino Like people want to get. I don't think. I don't think it's so much the casino. I think there's there's an element to that, right? You have to be able to capitalize that and that. And like you say, ironically, BTC has ended up with a lot of it, (laughs) even though they don't want it. But uh, as like Fix the Tracking is saying in the comments, an electronic cash system, and then uh, Bitcoin Cash orders has said a lot about that. And it is true. Like the idea, at least in my mind, you know, smart contracts and all that stuff. Like the scripting language was built in from the beginning, so it's a weird. We're now for- forming a middle ground though, because you know, the BSV people are even more like, oh, just enable everything, unlimited block size, just embed whatever in there, and it'll be the world's greatest, like, you know. Good
1: yeah, I, I, I really don't want to give up script. Like, like the, the scripting capabilities that Bitcoin have roughly, I mean, I'm not satisfied with the, the current set that we have. I think we should have worked on making it better. But the idea to have this non-Turing-complete, very limited and very purpose-made, but but still very powerful and expressive scripting language, I I think that's a good trade-off. We should stick to that. I, I'm really against removing the scripting capability of Bitcoin, and I think uh, Bitcoin Cash generally did a very good job on on just just making the the VM expressive enough for this kind of thing without going full at their with it. I actually like that, I like the introspection, of course, like the changes generally that you made to the scripting VM. And I even throwed a, a few people with this, uh, suggesting that we just adopt the Bcash uh, script VM uh, to Bitcoin in a new script version and and uh, be done with this whole bike shedding thing because it works there. Let's just take it. But of course, it's very hard now because uh, I think it's kind of inseparable from the cash tokens thing. And I'm pretty sure that is not going to sit well with (laughs) Bitcoiners.
0: No, (laughs) no, I'm very sure it won't either. So uh, go on. Yeah, I do think it's funny with all the inscriptions and BRC tokens and all that. Like, we already did this kind of thing with SLP token. The wall that everyone is going to find is that the indexers suck. Uh, they're already finding it. There was guys making threads about it the other day. Yeah. Whatever his name is Todd.btc whatever Trevor. So so why don't why don't these laser eye people start marketing Bcash and say if you want to do <laughs> your tokens, <laughs> do it over there. We'll accept. But then they'll they go up. fuck yourself. They're not going to swallow that
1: though. Yeah, I, I think I think most of us would love that. Like. It, we would love that and you probably would also love that right like you want to prove yourself yes. under similar demand conditions like uh, you you want to show that you can scale with large blocks and you can keep the system working and decentralized enough and and we want to be focused on on really the the bitcoin native economic use and and uh, and trying to be as uh, conservative and as efficient with block space as possible and uh, and somehow we are both uh, frustrated with this. What is
0: going on? Like It's just not going our way. Bitcoin is always surprising. I think that's really what it comes down to. Right, so we have our last uh, segment that we have every guest message to the community. What do you think the Bitcoin Cash community needs to hear?
1: Ah, sorry, I did not answer your question. What would make me go over to Bcash?
0: Well, you can throw that in there if question. you want. I'm sorry.
1: No, yeah, no, so, so if 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 Bitcoin has basically cut out and and just go along with regulatory capture and and the financialization of Bitcoin I'm absolutely not interested in that like if Bitcoin turns into basically a, a stock traded on regulated exchanges and and held in these custody of pools I understand that that its price can go up a lot and it might make sense to hold it but I'm not interested in that whatsoever. Like at that point, I think Bitcoin Cash is the closest thing to the Bitcoin that I'm interested in. Even though, like I said, this cash token thing doesn't seem like my thing, and I did not get into it deeply. There might actually be like very, very uh, interesting use cases, even for for like uh, smart contracts involving, uh, you know, various things uh, because. I also believe that we have a huge problem with uh, you know not having a digital fiat that is outside the control of the the governments. Like kind of thing that for any serious bitcoinization, you need an intermediate period where you have free peer to peer exchange that is unregulated and and uh, impossible to regulate and capture. Um, people need to be able to move in and out, especially merchants and other other people who have have uh, fiat expenses but want to accept bitcoin and, and want to participate in the ecosystem but they still need you know need to get in and out and uh, in in, in that um so i'm not not someone that says do not use anything other than bitcoin i understand that we have this intermediate period where you have to make somehow digital fiat uh accessible to people that they can hold somehow and trade with it uh, again in anonymous and peer-to-peer fashion. And I understand that the, the most likely motivation to do that would be tax avoidance and money laundering. I understand that and I accept that. Like that, That's just what motivates people to, to go around these things. And that's why governments want to do everything they can to stop it. But I also kind of think that Bitcoin needs this uh, to exist. So I'm not 100% against tokens. I have told people many times that tokens are just transferable authorizations. There is nothing inherently wrong with them. Even though a bunch yeah. of scams have popped up, you know, in the past years, Bitcoin has used the word token as uh, a swear word or uh, something very nasty. You know, <laughs> I have I have told, tried to tell them that's not so. But still, I'm I'm only really interested in scaling. Uh, the, the ownership and transfer of bitcoin the native asset like that's kind of what i'm married to ideologically and uh, that's the reason why i'm not as interested in the cash token things but i'm talking to great guys like bitcoin a cash uh, uh autist i think uh what's his yeah. name
0: yeah yeah bitcoin cash autist yeah
1: bitcoin cat- cash autist sorry yeah yeah uh, and and um, and i i'm talking to guys like that and and uh and uh, they are great and all, and, and uh, they are doing interesting things with these uh, contracting primitives and, and capabilities. And I, I have nothing against that. Again, uh, just um, just not not what I'm most interested in, if if you wish. But uh, again, like I said, if if I have to choose between like holding a stock and uh, and having uh, like peer-to-peer cash that also does these weird things. And people are playing with uh, NFTs and whatnot. Like it's kind of a no-brainer for me to to tolerate that.
0: Yeah. Okay. Do you want to have a? Was that sort of your message to the community, or do you want do you want one more uh, stab on any other unrelated or related topics to s- summarizing? The Bitcoin Cash
1: community. Hmm. Yes. Uh, I think I can only reiterate on that. Uh, to say you don't want the ETFs, trust me. Like you don't, you don't want that <laughs> okay. bullshit. I, I, I hope you can stay focused on peer-to-peer electronic cash. Like um, that, that that's 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 uh, I think the 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 most important thing someone has to carry that flag. If Bitcoin falls, if, if Bitcoin fails if we somehow do not manage to do that in Bitcoin, someone has to carry on the take on the mantle and, and carry on the torch. And and, uh, and and just just uh, you know somehow this uh, cypherpunk dream has to has to live on somewhere, and uh, like I said overall I, I really like what happened uh, with the with the script VM of Bcash and, and uh, even though I do not agree with the unlimited block size I think that's kind of a mistake, but it can actually work out like like the timeline can actually work out in such a way where Bcash is flying under the radar long enough. You know, and it's not being used and abused to the degree uh, while this uh, this regulatory pushback is coming. And once the that is over and we somehow break free of the tyranny and and we we manage to scale and decentralize uh, the the broadband global internet infrastructure. Then it suddenly might not be such a huge problem, and of course we need to do things like zero sync and and uh, and stuff like that to do away with the EB, EB, uh, initial block download burden, and and uh, we can expect these technologies all to progress and and they can mature, like say in ten years or whatever. And and uh, I I think ideally ideally you would want to somehow be able to to come out on top of that. So that's that's kind of my message to 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 focus on that, I guess.
0: Yeah, no, no, great uh, great thoughts. I I think that's that's very interesting. Okay, so we got to give our supporter appreciation as always. Thanks to our donors, thank you to our patrons, Ricky HP and Digital Seco. Thank you to our sponsor, General Protocols, check out BCH Bull. Dot com. Thank you to our flipstarter contributors, Majumali Marcelo, Molecular, Shadow of Harbringer, Turek, Merchant Reasons, Imaginary Username, Cheapy, Cheap Landing, Pat, Mini Satoshi, Sandakazman, Marius. So thank you everybody for watching. You of course have the start guide FAQs and links at www.bitcoincashpodcast.com. If you're new, check out episode 85 and of course try out Celine Wallet at Celine.cash. So shout outs for this week Settler, where can people find more of you and is there anything you want to give a shout out to
1: um not generally i'm i'm mostly on twitter and uh, and uh, starting to engage on on github but that's uh, you know dev stuff and might not be as interesting because our particular woes and and uh, difficulties are of uh, no real interest uh, to the bitcoin cash community because you have a different culture uh, and different uh, issues. You do not have this gatekeeping bullshit that, that we have to deal with. So I don't think it's that interesting.
0: Fair enough. Jet, do you have any shout outs? Uh, just a happy birthday shout out to Brian. Okay. Happy birthday to Brian. And my shout outs, I've got two. One to you, Moon Settler. Thank you for coming on. Uh, you've been mentioned on the show a couple of times previously so great to have you here to step in the ring and uh, give your own opinion and i think for some of the listeners i think it will be especially invaluable certainly some of those uh, takes on lightning network as well and stuff because i'm here on this show you know talking trash about it all the time and uh several of our other guests too so it's good for people to be able to hear at least you know the argument from an advocate for somebody who kind of believes in it more so that they can make up their own mind on the you know the balance of the facts. so i think that's really important and my second shout is to bitcoin cash orders who has done an amazing job of helping to break down the the barriers between the two communities and everybody has a project that they 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 like so um you know yeah that's great
1: i do i guess he's a great guy I guess one more shout. out I want to tag along with Jeremy's shout
0: out to you, Moon Zettler. and also uh, Polly D. I feel like you two are the two uh, BTC folks that I can have technical discussions with and not have it degrade into an argument and just name calling and yeah. price charts and stuff. Uh, yeah, so... because
1: that's the PTSD from the block size world, yeah. right? Uh, <laughs> it, it, it actually it actually took me a while to overcome that, and and the what really helped is I, I developed this huge empathy for for what you went through. When, of course, I got into a similar situation. Let's face it, and uh, you know when, when you clash horns with the gatekeepers and people like Adam Beck, uh, you you understand what you are dealing with uh, suddenly. And and um, and again, that 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 helped me understand kind of your motivations better, I believe, and that that helped me develop this empathy for. That and and again, seeing what a great job you did with the with the script VM uh, again made me like reevaluate the the entire project and uh, and uh, it it took me quite a while. I'm pretty sure people can find tweets where I was calling uh, caches idiots and stuff like that. So it's it's not not something that I was born with. I I, I absolutely bought into that bullshit in 2017, 2018. Especially the cray right stuff, right? That that really set people off, I believe. Uh, like uh, that really triggered, please. yeah, that really triggered the immune, immune response. And but I think I got better, and I hope more Bitcoiners can get better and and get over this this uh, this uh, this bullshit. I I have no better word for it. Like I, I accept now that uh, the Bitcoin people, uh, Bitcoin cash people, are are Bitcoiners also. Like. Uh, I, I see them more like a strange brothers than, than the enemy, <laughs> yes. But, yes, but the it takes it, it, effort. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think, I don't think people who don't want to get healed can just magically get healed. Like you have to have to take the steps.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, it takes time. And, uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, obviously we agree the whole CSW, uh, side of it and we might be seeing some, uh, action on that uh shortly with the with the copa trial but there was at least yeah. today there was uh calvin air coming out there were i can't even tell if this is serious or not but they're apparently rebranding to ubsv un- mm-hmm. what it what was it called unbounded BSV? apparently bsv oh. it's now unbounded BSV. so yeah <laughs> not really sure what they're doing there but i guess bitcoin unlimited is thick and. <laughs> exactly exactly i thought you know unleashed bitcoin or they're always like it's unleashed we've unleashed ourselves (laughs) well apparently unbounded so anyway good luck to them with that uh, strategy i'm glad we've got our brand and there's no need to change it so settle down on that anyone in the bch community who's feeling in that direction right that will do it for the show thank you all for listening until next time So I started realizing that if you can just
1: find strength just a little bit longer, you will have a crew of people following you along the way. And that is another thing that no one can ever teach you. Because you you're gonna to have to learn that on your own. You're gonna to have to figure out how to pull that energy out of your mind on your own. There's not there's there's no book you can read.